Thanks, Marty. <clears throat> this morning we lit the candle of joy. And I find when you talk to most families, there's usually, and in my family is the same, um, there's usually people in your family that are very excited about the Christmas season, and then there's some that are a little bit more maybe apathetic towards it, or you would call a Grinch. Um, me and Lyndon Clausen were talking about this yesterday because we're the Grinches in our family because we don't like the decorations and all of those things, and our spouses love that stuff, right? I mean, in, in our house, you can't have one Christmas tree when you could have three, right? Like, um, and because I don't understand the three trees... That makes me a Grinch. There's, there's lots of things in the Christmas season that, that bring joy. And uh, often with joy, we think that joy means that we're happy or cheerful. How can we possibly have joy unless we are cheerful and happy? <laughs> I'm going to help you know. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we're going to help you out, buddy. Joy is interesting, especially in this season, because there's so many things going on around us that, that bring joy, but they also bring happiness. So it might be decorations, or it might be Christmas baking, or presents, or the ability to give to people, or spend time with family. Lots of these things are, are good, and yet they can be things that distract us from the true joy that's going on. We associate joyfulness with happy or cheerful. And, and certainly we can be happy and, joy and, and cheerful and joyful together. But for some reason we tie happiness to joy. Particularly when we talk about it in a faith perspective. That to be joyful means happy. And this is a common misconception of joy. At least in the context of the Bible and the word of God. Joy doesn't really have anything to do with happiness. We can be happy in joy, but that's not what it means. The word joy in Greek means an inner gladness, a deep pleasure that comes from the inner assurance and confidence that God does all things for his good purpose. So joy means the inner gladness, a deep pleasure that comes from an inner assurance and confidence that God does all things for his good purpose. We often want joy and happiness to be hand in hand because it fits nicely into our comfortable Christian perspective where our faith doesn't cost us a lot and our comfort can be assured. But joy, true joy, that comes from the Lord will always come with some kind of cost. What I mean by that is that it's an incredible thing to experience the joy of Christ, but what happens when we experience it is it transforms us, and it moves us, and it changes us. And this movement, even in the midst of everything going around in our lives, whether it's good or hard or worrisome or burdensome, this joy comes out of that. And the cost of it is that the joy doesn't keep us in our comfort or our apathy, it actually moves us and compels us to live in a certain way. So this morning, we're going to look at Luke chapter 2, verse 1 to 20. We took a little bit of 
a look at that last week, specifically around the angel's proclamation of the peace that Jesus would bring to all people. This morning we're going to look at the greater context of, of that chapter and look at the story of the shepherd. So join me this morning as we take a look at um, the question, how does joy change us? Let's read Luke 2 together. In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judah, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for him in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over the flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with this angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, like the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. So this morning, we're going to look at how does joy change us. So as we start this text, we see that there was this decree. And if we're familiar with the Christmas story, we we know that at that time, the the decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. And so we've talked in previous weeks about how this area, the nation of Israel, was under Roman occupation. And so they asked all of their people to return back to the region in which they were from. So Joseph goes back to Bethlehem, takes his pregnant wife Mary with them. I can't imagine what that journey would be like. But they, they head back to Bethlehem, and as they get there, um, Mary has Jesus. And he's born in the, at the inn in the whether it was a, a barn or a little cave or whatever, but it was where animals were kept and he was put into a manger. And then we get to verse 8. And it speaks of these shepherds. And I want us this morning to take some time to look at what the shepherds saw, what they did, and then what they shared. So there's a few different things that break down of what happened with the shepherds in this text. And they bring out joy, and they bring out a perspective of joy that we can understand and live out. So what they saw, what they did, and what they shared. So in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly 
there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with who he is pleased. So at first the shepherds are appeared by one angel shows up. And then a whole host of angels showed up. <clears throat> and they appeared and they praised God. And so one of the first things we see is the shepherds go from something that is completely mundane, just their normal life, taking care of sheep. And there's lots of debate about what these shepherds are doing. Some commentaries would say that these shepherds are taking care of sheep that were for the sacrifices of Israel, for the atoning of, of sins, for the Passover. It's hard to necessarily nail that down, whether that's specifically what, what these shepherds were doing. But the reality is, is that they just hung out with sheep all day. And then these angels appear. This spectacular thing happens. And I think that's sort of the point of the Christmas story, is that here's these men who are just doing their day-to-day things. They're just normal people. And then something incredible happens. Isn't that a story of our faith life? Just sort of something mundane. We're walking through life and then something incredible happens. We encounter Jesus. So there's a few things that the angel said. First, it starts with fear not. Every story we have where the angels appear to people, we see them filled with fear because when the angel appears, it usually talks about how the glory of the Lord is around the angel. Marty alluded to this in his prayer that where the glory of the Lord goes, sinful people will come in reverent of fear because our sin can't be in the presence of God. That's the whole point of Jesus, that he makes a way across that chasm so that we can have right relationship with him. And so the shepherds are filled with fear, I'm sure partially because angels don't appear every day to people. And the angels say to them, fear not. You have nothing to fear. Continues on by saying, I bring you good news. Good news of great joy that is for all people. It's significant that the angels appear to shepherds. Shepherds certainly weren't the the lowest class of citizens in, in Israel, but they certainly weren't an upper class either. They represented a working class that worked hard, that had an important work to do. And God in his wisdom, and in his infinite wisdom, comes and sends a revelation through the angels to these men. Something significant. Good news to you of great joy for all the people. Born this day in the city of David in Bethlehem is a savior. And you men will find him wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. This exchange begins with the glory of the Lord present. And then it ends with a multitude of angels that come and worship God for what he's going to do. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. This is the praise to God that is sung out from the angels. The angels have come to reveal something to the shepherds. Something that has happened. Something that is true. It's a message from God to them, from an angelic host, a revelation to them from God. So how does joy change us? The first way is that the joy of Christ changes our perspective. In the story, the shepherds have something that's new, revealed to them. They would have known of this idea of a Messiah. And we'll see their response to it in a second. But this is the defining moment for them. The perspective that they have had has now changed. 
Many of us have a defining moment in our faith. For me, it was 2003 when I decided that I would go on a youth mission trip the following year in 2004. That trip changed my life, and I was saved shortly after. But it was the defining moment that led to a decision that would change my life. And that's what Jesus does. He changes our lives. He changes our perspective. But the joy that we have in him comes from knowing him more and more. Just as the angels revealed this truth to the shepherds, so has God revealed to us the revelation of his will through the word, through scripture. As the joy of Christ changes us, first it changes our perspective. It changes the things that are important to us. Christ becomes important to us. His teachings, his life, how he lived, the things he would encourage us in. Our desire to know God and his commands and promises increases and we delight in obeying him. We do this by being people of the word. By being consistent in the word. By knowing the word. By doing what it says. This consistency of walking out the word and knowing the word is a clear mark of being a maturing believer. What's our motivation for being in the word? What is our motivation for this perspective to continually change in our lives? Is it to grow in our faith? To become more knowledgeable? To be encouraged by the promises of God? Those are all great things. Those are all important for us to hear. But hear this. I think one of the things that must motivate us in our joy, in the changing of our perspective, in our desire to be people of the word, is that the creator of the universe... The one who made all things wants to spend time with you. That's why we spend time with him and build a relationship with him. What greater joy is there than that? That the creator of all things wants to spend time with you. Each day, intimately. For you to know him more. For you to see his goodness more in your life. And his faithfulness and his love. For you to walk out his ways instead of your own. When we experience this joy, when we experience this desire, there's no going back. I think sometimes we approach the desire of the revelation of the word, and we would call that special revelation, this revelation that God has given us through the word of God so that we can go and it's at our disposal. We can spend as much time in the word as we want, learning and knowing all of who God is. It's how we understand more and more of his character. There's other forms of revelation, creation, what God has made, the ways that we can see God in creation, That's a form of revelation. There's ways in which God speaks that are other forms of revelation. But the most consistent piece of revelation comes from the word. And I think sometimes we we spend time in the word and we spend time allowing or wanting our perspectives to change, to be more like Christ, to see that joy increases. But we do it out of a place of guilt. Or a piece of duty where we need to check a box because this is what Christians do. But I wonder sometimes if we do it out of a place of joy enough. I come to the word out of joy. 
of wanting to know more of who this Savior is, of his purpose for me, of his plan for me, of his desires for me, of the truth in which he speaks about me. Next, we see what the shepherds did. How they responded. It says, they said, let us go to Bethlehem. It's interesting, there's no descent there. It's just, these angels showed up, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's go to Bethlehem. Let us go. There's no, well, maybe we could go to Bethlehem tomorrow, or like, I don't know, this was kind of weird. It's just, let's go to Bethlehem. To see this thing that has happened, there's no doubt. They're saying this, something has happened, something significant has happened. Here we go, let's go and see this thing. Let's go see this thing to be true. And they went with haste. There was no delay. They desired to go. They went quickly. They didn't wait till the next day or a week later. They went immediately that evening to Bethlehem to find Joseph and Mary and baby Jesus. The second way that joy changes us is the joy of Christ compels us to move. When we have truly experienced the joy of Christ, we move into action. It takes us from one place to another naturally. And I don't necessarily mean geographically. Our joy for the Lord could, could move us to different places, maybe to the mission field or to ministry in some way. But it takes us from one place in our own spiritual maturity to another place. James chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, talk about joy in the midst of difficulty. It says, Count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Steadfastness means the quality of being resolute or dutiful, firm, unwavering. Usually our first response to adversity or something difficult is just wanting it to pass, for it to go away quickly. We don't want to be in these situations. And there's been many in our church this fall who've had these times of adversity just just on a health level. We've had several people with with heart attacks. We've had obviously Erin and her her cancer diagnosis and many others who have been sick. And and the reality is that many of the difficulties of our lives, we, we go, why me? Why is this happening? I just want this to be done. But there's a joy in the testing of what happens in the endurance of our faith and our faith. And this joy is what roots us in the midst of the storms of life, where things are difficult, where we have to endure, where we sometimes ask, God, what are you doing? I don't really see what you're doing. But it's the joy that anchors us in the hope that we have in him, knowing that he works all things for his good. Joy changes us, it compels us, it matures us. But how do we stay in that joy? We need to discover the purpose that the Lord has for us. That we are unique to him. And that he has a plan for each one of our lives. And that plan fits into that greater plan of creation that we talked 
in our first week of Advent, that God is doing this great plan. And what we saw through Jesus' genealogy is that we see this great plan of the Savior coming. And we're not the main character in God's story. Jesus is. But we get this beautiful piece of being part of this amazing story of redemption that God does through his Son. And he has a plan in the midst of that redemption story for each one of you. A purpose for each one of us. You are important to him, more precious than anything. Your freedom and life were bought with the highest price through the blood of Jesus. You matter significantly. And just in that, we discover this purpose and joy that we have. Because we were bought with such a high price. We are desired in relationship. He has purpose for you far beyond the the North American apathy that we see in church. He has a desire for you and the gifting that he's given you and the abilities that he's given you for the gospel to go forth throughout your life. You matter. You have great importance. We also see joy by knowing who we are in Jesus, who he says that we are. Not who, how we define ourselves or how we like to see ourselves or the, the misconception that we might have of ourselves. But how does Jesus see us? How does his word define us? How are we seen after the washing of the blood in our lives? In the freedom that we have in him. How does he see us? As new creations. Born again. Freedom. People who bear the spirit. People who he will not forsake people who he will return and redeem with all creation, people who have a home with him for eternity, people that he is present with and that he loves. Another way is that we look for God in the ordinary and simple parts of our life all around us. I'd encourage you to do this. Sometimes we might think, oh God, what are you doing? Just the other day, we we had a snowfall and it was like giant snowflakes. I don't know if you remember, like they were massive. And it accumulated pretty quickly. And, and I, I got caught up in being a little annoyed that like every time I went outside, I cleaned my car off. Or I think I shoveled three times that day. It was awful. I hate shoveling snow. And, but there was a part in the day that I just stopped and thought, man, this is a beautiful thing that God is doing. What a beautiful part of his creation. Watching the snow fall quietly and slowly. There was a beauty in it. And I'm guilty for not often stopping enough just in the revelation of his creation and marveling at the things that God does and has done. There's joy in just the little things in our lives. Maybe in a little conversation with somebody, in a friendship, in a text. It can be in many small things, but we can find joy in them. So as we know this joy more and more, It compels us. First, it compels us to know the source of the joy more and more, this person of Jesus, but to see this joy also increase more and more in our lives. There's this desire, so we want to know where the source of joy comes and know this person, but then it also compels us to want to see this joy increase more and more in our lives. Does joy move you? Does it compel you to live out your faith? To be patient about following Jesus? even in the midst of things that maybe are difficult and you're, you're waiting and longing for something to change? Can you find joy? So what I texted my friend Rob this morning, knowing that the journey that him and Leslie will walk down and it will be long and difficult and 
Not going to be easy, particularly in their personalities. But I prayed for them and I said, Rob, my, my prayer for you is that you would experience peace in this time and that there would be a joy in knowing the Lord in this time. That even in the midst of walking out this difficulty, joy would be known. Does this joy or inner gladness, this deep assurance that God does everything for his good, does it lay dormant in you? Does your comfort in this life take over? Where your routine, your plans become the leading part of your life? Do you maybe forget joy and sacrificial living, sacrificial giving? The joy of spending time with Jesus and the assurance of of Jesus, regardless of where we find ourselves in our life and circumstances, that he makes all things work for his good and that we can trust in his goodness. We can get really distracted during this season when it comes to joy. But not just this season, just in our life in general. Are we people of joy? True joy that comes from Jesus moves us to be obedient to him with the desire to glorify him with our lives. It compels us We can't stay where we are. It moves us, just as the shepherds moved. There's this thing revealed, this joy comes, and it motivates them. It moves them immediately to see what's happened. You and I have been given the whole story of who Jesus is, of God's plan. Does the joy of that story, does the joy of that plan make us want to move? The next thing we see from the shepherds is what they shared. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they heard and seen as it had been told to them. The shepherds, after seeing the angels and embracing their message and seeing it to be true, couldn't help themselves. They told everyone. Anyone who would listen, they would share with. They wanted everyone to know and experience this joy that had overtaken them. They come, they hear, they go to Bethlehem, they find Joseph and Mary in in the city of David with this baby wrapped in swaddling cloths. As they were told, all of the things the angel said are true. They see this this king in humble circumstances, these normal people in Joseph and Mary, and they are full of joy. They see the Messiah. One of the ways that joy changes us is that it overflows in our lives. When we experience joy, the true joy of Christ, it's impossible for it not to overflow in our lives. And once it gets a hold of us, this joy, it's contagious. And I'm sure that each one of us can point to someone whose joy in the Lord is contagious to be around. When you're around them, you're just like, man, that guy's joy for the Lord is contagious. But joy naturally should flow from us. As it takes hold in our lives, it overflows out of us. We have an abundance of it and can't help but want to give this joy to others, for them to experience, for them to see it. Just like the shepherds go and proclaim this good news that the angels had given them, they now proclaim it. It 
overflows. It's kind of like growing zucchini in your garden. You know that's not all for you. And that's what joy is like. When we experience the true joy of Christ, it overflows in our lives. Is this the joy that people see into you? Do you have the joy that the shepherds have when it comes to sharing about Jesus? And I think for us to really understand what joy means during the season, we have to understand it from a greater perspective than that of it just being about ourselves, about this joy that we hold on to and cherish. And it's hard because in our culture, it continuously tells us to make things about ourselves, to be individualistic. Don't let other people in. Don't think about other people. Just think about yourself. Take care of yourself. And we believe lies that we're a bother or a burden or whatever to others. But when it comes to joy, it's important in the season to remember that the joy of this baby coming was for you. He came for you. Because you desperately needed him to. Because I desperately needed him to. Not kind of needed him, not maybe needed him, maybe next week. Desperately, in desperation, a savior came for all people. You were lost in your sin without hope, without peace with God. And Jesus came and took the punishment of sin for each one of us. How can we hide that joy? How can we be a people that would light a candle and then hide it? This is a joy that overflows. For us to understand joy, we must understand it as something that overflows, that continuously fills us the more we spend time with Jesus, knowing him, living out our faith in him, and obeying him, and it overflows in our life. This joy cannot be measured. And this may be the greatest gift for any of us to understand this holiday season. That the joy we have in Christ and knowing that he is in control, that he is good and that he is working and active in your life even in the midst of things that are hard and awful, sad or depressing. Things that look like mountains and canyons that we don't feel like we could ever cross. It's in this person that our hope is assured. That we can be sure of and our joy can be complete. Regardless of those circumstances because he is good. And I think for, for us as believers, joy is one of those things that maybe is a little difficult for us. It's not difficult to see the purpose of joy in Jesus, but when it comes for, to us showing that joy to people, we go, oh, I don't want to bother people, or you know, people are busy, so I don't really want to serve there, or do that right now. And, and we can come up with all of these things of why not to share joy. But we can share joy in small things. Kindness is a way to share joy, and I promise you there's opportunity to be kind every day in your lives. When you think of joy that overflows, we think of people that, you know, we need to be sharing the gospel all the time, and we need to be doing this stuff, and that's all really good, and if you have an opportunity to share the gospel, do that. But I think God can also speak through the way that you treat people, the way that you love people, the way that you care for your family, your integrity, and your care at work. These are ways that joy can be on display. The first time that God was really revealed to me in a tangible way was through the joy of a man. 
That was it. There was something different about this person that I hadn't experienced. I could see it in this man that there was something different that I didn't have. And it was that joy that attracted me to knowing more of Jesus. Because he was like, I don't know what to tell you. I just love Jesus. I don't know what else to tell you. And that led me down a path of discovering more about who Jesus is. Sometimes these little ways of showing joy can have profound impact. So the joy of Christ changes us by making us into people where his joy may be present and seen. The joy that we have in Christ changes our perspectives to his perspective. And in this perspective, it changes what is important to us and for us. Our desires change. We want to be more like Jesus. We desire more of Jesus in our lives, of knowing him, of being obedient to him, of seeing his goodness. And we care about the things that he cares about, the things that break his heart, break our heart. Is this you? Has Christ changed your perspective? Has the joy of knowing the Savior transformed your mind and your way of thinking? The joy of Christ compels us to move. To move in our own maturity. And to moving in living out our faith and obedience. Even in the midst of difficulties of life. And life is difficult. We all experience it. Because God holds all things in his hands. And we can have confidence that Jesus is present and with us. This presence of this joy moves us. It compels us. It needs to compel us. There's too much at stake for it not to. And the joy of Christ overflows in our lives. How can we hide this thing once we have discovered it? How could we be people who would hide this light? We can't. It's too important. It's too big. It's too life-changing. When we truly experience the joy of the Savior, it overflows in our life. And it's abundant, and we want others to know about it. And not just the week, this week of Advent. We want people to know it always. We want them to know the joy of Jesus. The joy of knowing and having a foundation in the Savior. So church, how will your joy be seen this holiday season? Think on that this morning. As we spend time worshiping in one more final closing song, think about how is your joy going to be on display this holiday season? Maybe for you, there's a joy of knowing Jesus. Maybe you've been kind of wrestling a little bit and, and you haven't really made that commitment or that desire to really know Jesus. Maybe there's a switch in your mind that needs to happen and recognizing that even in the midst of your difficulty, God is walking with you. And you need to find joy in the reality that he's got you and he's with you. Maybe you feel God calling you for to a way that you can express joy in giving of your time or your talent or financially this season. Maybe there's a way that God is speaking to your heart and saying, show this joy to people. Maybe there's that person that you've been wanting to talk to, but you've just maybe been avoiding. I don't know what it is, but I would encourage you to wrestle with that question. How will your joy be on display this holiday season? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you this morning for your word, for your goodness. We thank you for your faithfulness in our lives. And Father, knowing that 
we were sinful, that we were lost. You sent your son for us. And there's so much joy in that, knowing that I don't deserve the sacrifice of Jesus, but he came willingly and ably desiring that we would be made right with you. We have a great hope and a foundation of joy that overflows in us because of this. I pray that each of us would experience the joy of of Jesus more than we would experience any other part of this holiday season. That we truly would know the joy of knowing you, knowing that our lives are in your hands, knowing that our purpose is from you, knowing that we have a place in your plan and that you are leading and guiding us in all things, even in the storms of life. I pray that our joy would increase in you each day, that we would have a deep motivation to meet with you, our Savior, our Creator, our Redeemer, that you want relationship with us. Would that motivate us to want to spend time with you and grow in our joy? I pray as a church that joy would motivate us to love each other well, to be people who could show joy and hope to our community, who could love others well, who could share the gospel passionately and live it out equally. And we pray that through the desire of our hearts that you would be known to people around us this holiday season and your joy would be on display in us. We pray this in your name. Amen.